Welcome to Radical Personal Finance, a show dedicated to providing you with the knowledge, skills, insight, and encouragement you need to live a rich and meaningful life now while building a plan for financial freedom in 10 years or less. Today's show features the discussion on the freedom of frugality. In the most recent two episodes of Radical Personal Finance, I've talked extensively about living rich. I've talked about issuing frugality. I've talked about focusing on how money is something that is ultimately renewable, but time is not. So I want to balance those shows with a discussion on the value of frugality and what I would say the freedom of frugality. We're going to begin with a thought experiment. Here it goes. Let's pretend that you are enrolled in a program where you're guaranteed to receive for the rest of your life, without question, guaranteed, every single month to receive a monthly check for $10,000. Call it a UBI payment, right? Universal basic income payment. Uh, UBI is increasingly a point of conversation in our modern world, currently mostly associated with the liberal set of ideas. The idea is that, hey, the government should pay everyone a basic income so that everyone can at least have some kind of living wage that they could live on, and that would free them up, right? Usually considered to be a liberal idea in the current uh, political climate, but not necessarily. There have been libertarians for decades who've been arguing for UBI. So let's just assume it's UBI, and let's pretend for the sake of my little thought experiment that you actually trust it, right? You actually believe that, yeah, they're actually going to pay me this money every month for the rest of my life. They're not going to stop it when the next administration comes in. They're actually going to pay it to me every month for the rest of my life. So pretend that you earn $10,000 or you receive $10,000 every month for the rest of your life. Here's my question. How much money would you spend on a monthly basis if you knew that you were going to receive $10,000 every month for the rest of your life? How much money would you spend every month on a monthly basis if you knew that you were going to receive $10,000 a month every month for the rest of your life? Now, the answers will vary. Answers will vary, and we're going to talk through some of those answers. The first answer that I think is the most common answer, people would say, well, Joshua, if I knew I was going to receive $10,000 a month every month for the rest of my life, I would spend $10,000 a month every month for the rest of your life. I would just spend it. And I think that's a really good answer. That's an answer that I would give at first before I thought about it more, which we'll get to in a moment. And to me... The reason I would give an answer like that is because I think that money is designed to move. And when you take away the idea that you somehow have to earn the money, when you somehow and you realize I'm just going to receive the money, then it puts you in a place where you realize, you know what? I like spending money. Now, you get to choose what you spend the money on, right? You can spend the money on a new set of fancy designer clothes for you and all those that you love. You can spend the money on Christmas gifts for the less fortunate. Uh, you can spend the money on on big experiences for you and your family, or you can spend the money on charitable experiences for others. Whatever you want, right? You choose how you spend it. But the idea is, if you knew that there were an infinite flow of money, there was always money coming in, then you wouldn't worry about stockpiling money very much. You would just simply let the money flow through. You would be a conduit for the money. It would flow in and it would flow out. And you wouldn't try to reserve it 
just for the rainy day because you knew the money is coming in. Okay, that's the first thing. And to me, when I think that through and realize it, what it shows me is, yeah, you know what? I do like spending money, right? I, I like to play with these numbers. Okay, Joshua, what if you had $40,000 a month coming in every month for the rest of your life guaranteed or $100,000 a month coming in every month for the rest of your life guaranteed? Then how much money would you spend? And the point is that we would spend it. We would pass it on if we knew we didn't need it for the future. Now, that's the first lesson that we have when we go out of our thought experiment. If we come to the real world, where very few of us have a guaranteed income, no matter what, of $10,000 a month for the rest of our life, and we think about the fact that I have to earn money, we quickly realize that, you know what? Something could happen to my income. And so why would I choose to be frugal? And here I'm going to define frugality as simply spending less money than I have coming in. Why would I choose to be frugal and spend less than I make? Well, because there could be some sense of uncertainty with what I make. I think that's true. I think that's right. Notice I had to give all my qualifiers. You actually believe that the money's going to come in the rest of your month. You can do this, by the way. This is a, a strategy that I've recommended to many people who are retiring. It's just simply buy an annuity, right? This is what you can do for yourself if you simply go and buy a commercial annuity. You can go to an insurance company, you can give them a lump sum of money, and they'll give you a payment that's going to come in every single month for the rest of your life. And that can actually help people to feel very confident and feel very um, able to budget their money because they have a paycheck. It comes in as an annuity payment. Like your social security is an annuity payment or a pension, a defined benefit pension, if you're enrolled in one of those, is an annuity payment. So, but you recognize, hey, something could happen. If you bought a commercial annuity, you would probably still want to have a little bit of money on the side, even if you spent most of it, because you recognize there could be a problem with the bank transfer. There could be an issue from time to time, and that money might not come in. So the first benefit of frugality is it provides against the uncertainty of income. And that's extremely valuable, extremely valuable. Let's not minimize that. Now, back to our thought experiment. You got the $10,000 a month coming in. Maybe you say, I'm going to save a little bit of money to take care of, uh, of any risk of the income stopping, but I have a high degree of confidence in this. What else would you do? Well, one thing you might do is you might realize that in some months, you might want to spend more than $10,000. Maybe your normal spending is $10,000 a month, but there might be months in which you want to spend $15,000. Maybe you want to take an extra trip, right? Go snow skiing or go to the Caribbean in the middle of the winter or whatever. And so you would practice some frugality to stockpile some money for big purchases. You would save for purchases. And that's a major benefit of frugality. When you are frugal and you spend, say, $8,000 a month on an ongoing basis, then every month there's $2,000 a month accumulating. And so after, say, six months, now there's an extra $12,000. So in that month, if you want to spend $22,000 per month, you can. And this is a very practical way for you to run your finances. In theory, you might be able to do this to some degree with debt, right? Borrowing money and then paying it back off. That's what a lot of people do. Instead of saving up for a car, they choose to buy a car and have payments and they just pay off those payments out of their income. And that works. Uh, it works very well if you have 
that guaranteed income and if you have a stable income. What doesn't work about that, the reason that plan is usually not the first one that a financial advisor would suggest, is, well, if your income goes away, now you have a whole bunch of obligations. In addition, when you have everything lined up with payments, your wants can often continue to get bigger, but now you can't service those wants. If you have $10,000 a month coming in and you go and you spend $4,000 a month on leasing an apartment, then you go and you get a car lease for $1,000 a month, you get a boat lease for $1,000 a month, you have $1,500 a month of miscellaneous bills and you know a couple thousand dollars a month on, on fun and food, et cetera. Well, now if you want to do something more, you can't, right? All those payments stack up. Now you can't set aside the $2,000 to save up for the extra $10,000 snow ski vacation. So that's the second thing that the savings can be used for, is they can be stockpiled for big purchases. So now you start to see that frugality is a tool. Number one, frugality is a tool that protects you if something happens to your income. And for the vast majority of us, that's a very relevant concern. The second thing is that frugality is a tool that allows you to handle lumpy expenses, to make big purchases from time to time. And that's a useful part of life. What's the third point of frugality? Well, what if $10,000 a month is not very much money for you? Right? I would say that $10,000 a month is, is not even the median income of radical personal finance. And so it might sound like a lot to some people, but to other people, it doesn't sound like much at all. And so maybe there's a guy who's used to living on 30,000 a month. For him, $10,000 a month is not fun. He, he his his financial thermostat is calibrated very differently. It's in a very different space. And so what would that guy do? Imagine a wealthy person that you know and look up to, I don't know, a Warren Buffett or a Bill Gates or a Elon Musk, maybe a Mark Cuban or a Donald Trump or you know, some guy that you look up to and you admire as this is a person who is good with money. What would they do if they woke up and they had nothing but they had $10,000 a month? Do you really think that Warren Buffett, if he woke up and had an income of $10,000 a month, would sit back and just spend the $10,000 a month? Of course not. Now, in his case, he probably wouldn't ever spend it no matter what. But maybe a better example, I don't know, maybe a, a Mark Cuban or something, somebody who, who spends money in a little bit more of a flashy way. Would he be happy with $10,000 a month? My answer is no. Right? If a Mark Cuban woke up and was making $10,000 a month, he'd immediately set a household budget of, say, three grand. And start saving $7,000 a month and start investing. Why? Why is he investing? Well, because he wants to spend more money than $10,000 a month. And so this is the third big reason as to why frugality is so valuable. Frugality allows you to set money aside, which you can then invest and you can grow so that you can have more money in the future, more money to spend. Now, notice that that last part, more money to spend, is not automatic. Some people simply set aside money, and they grow money, grow money, grow money, and they never spend it. I think there are a lot of times where you understand that and where you even venerate that a little bit. right? I appreciate people who have kind of a frugal instinct. They're conservative. 
Uh, I don't personally like to see money wasted. So I appreciate people who are careful, who are thoughtful, et cetera. And what happens is you put that, that set of habits in place and you see a person live that way and they kind of never really change, right? They just continue living that way on an ongoing basis. Now, if they ultimately have a goal for their money that is their goal, then that makes sense to me. Like you have people who say, I want to raise $100 million for the SPCA and leave an endowment of $100 million to the SPCA when I die. Okay, fine. That's their goal. It's their money. They can spend it however they want. If they want to spend it on the SPCA, great. That brings them pleasure, brings them joy. That makes sense. But I think where I personally have a little pain is if somebody just has a whole lot of money and they don't have any plan for it, they just have a bunch of money and they're not going to spend it, they're not going to enjoy it with others, they're not going to, they don't have some really important uh, charitable goal that's important to them and they just have a stack of money just because. To me, that seems irresponsible in a sense. Uh, and by irresponsible, I mean, it just doesn't feel like like good stewardship, like you're taking care of the things that have been entrusted to you. I think having a plan for that and saying, these are the things that I'm going to do with the money is is important. Now, the numbers can get very big, right? You can have an investor who's so good that it builds so much money that it's not possible to spend it, right? Jeff Bezos can't spend all of his money, no matter how hard he might try. Um, that's why you find that people are to give so much money away. Number one, it fits their values generally, but they just, you can't spend it. What on earth are you going to spend billions and billions of dollars on? But the point stands that if you had $10,000 per month of income, and if you wanted to have more than $10,000 a month of income, you could use frugality as a tool to allow you to set money aside so you could invest it and use it to make more money. Now, would you want to do that? Depends, right? How much more money do you want? And that's where we get to a very um, personalized decision. I could very happily have one person who says, I make $10,000 a month at my job, and I have enough money set aside for big purchases. I've taken care of uh, emergencies in case my, uh, you know, my income, something happens to my income. So I'm just going to spend $10,000 because I don't want to actually invest for more. That would be fine. On the other hand, there would be someone who says, I need more money, so I'm going to invest for a lot more, and I'm going to be very frugal now. I'm going to live like no one else now, so later I can live like no one else, and later I can spend a lot more money. These are your choices. It's also relevant that you could possibly be able to make a lot more money without actually needing to save money at all. So many traditional investments require somebody to have some money up front. This is certainly true in the realms of uh, stocks, right? You can't buy stocks unless you have money. This is very true in the real world of real estate. Well, in theory, you can do no money down deals. It's a little bit easier and, and advisable to be involved in something like real estate if you have some money. It's also possible um, to, if you're going to invest in business, which I think is certainly usually your best way to take a little bit of money and turn it into a lot more, many of the best businesses require some money up front. 
And so I could imagine a guy making 10 grand, 10,000 bucks a month says, you know what? I'm going to spend $4,000 a month uh, for a couple of years, stack up a hundred grand. I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy a Jimmy John's franchise. And now I'm going to add a couple hundred grand of income to my $10,000 a month. And I'm set right now. I'll, I'll, I'll have instead of $10,000 a month to spend, I'll have $30,000 a month. Right? That makes a lot of sense to me, but it's not strictly necessary. There may be a guy who's working at a business where he doesn't need any investment capital, but he's got an idea. He's programming an app, right? Some of these things that are immaterial. He's programming an app or building a, a, a digital company. He doesn't need to spend a lot of money on plants and, and equipment and salaries. He's just focusing on building something on the side. Maybe you got a guy who's trying to build an intellectual property portfolio. He's writing books that he's selling. He's he's writing music that he's selling or or, you know, making songs to some kind of intellectual property or copyrights or patents. These are the kinds of things that you don't need money to create. And you can sit back and you can live on your $10,000, create an intellectual property portfolio, and then that intellectual property portfolio, assuming that it works, will then give you a higher income. And the whole time you could have spent $10,000. So I'm giving you these examples because these are the tools that you and I have available to us in real life. Yes, we do have to actually go and earn the money. I don't have $10,000 a month of UBI. You might, right? Maybe your father set up a trust for you and allowed you to do that. I have a good friend of mine. He had, his dad had a bunch of oil wells, bought a bunch of oil wells, left them all in a trust. And you know, for his entire life, he always had several thousands of dollars a month that came in from his oil well, from, his, from the family oil investments. And I think that's great, right? It, it always provided him with an ability to uh, live a lot better than his salary would uh, indicate that he could. Uh, many uh, people would just live on that money. He didn't. He would go and take jobs and, and have jobs, but he never really worked at any big jobs just because he had the money to, to, to spend and he was able to, to live well. And that's reasonable. So the point is that you and, may, and I might not have the ability to live on $10,000 of UBI, but we still have that same choice with regard to our frugality. So do you want to spend the whole $10,000? Well, if you're going to spend the whole $10,000, then you would need to value the things that a $10,000 lifestyle would get you. So for example, I can easily spend $10,000 and easily do that and have that be a very good lifestyle based upon the size of family that I have because of the family connections that I have and, and the, the number of children and whatnot, for the kind of place that I want to live in and the expenses that come with children and the things that I want to do uh, with children, I could easily spend $10,000 a month. And so this is where we go back to that question of frugality, of should I be frugal? If I'm making $10,000 a month and I have at this stage of life the ability to easily spend the $10,000 a month without it feeling like all that much money, then should I just live on an artificially low number so that later I can have more money? Or should I go ahead and have the bigger house, have the bigger car, take the nicer trips, things like that now? Now, I can fast forward in my mind. Certainly, once you get used to spending money, spending money is generally always easy. But I'll give you an example. As a father of four young children, if I'm going to take my family on a trip, it is not a relaxing thing for me. 
my children have too many things that they want to do, and so it's not relaxing. And so I'm going to schedule activities, I'm going to schedule events, I'm going to schedule all kinds of things. But now fast forward, let's pretend that I'm 50-something years old, I've got, uh, all my children are grown, and um, I don't, ha- and now you're going to say, Joshua, take three weeks off. Well, now, you know, my wife and I, we could get in the car, we could drive to a pretty spot by a brook somewhere, pop a couple of chairs on the ground, and sit and happily read all day long for three weeks. I could be happy as a clam, just sitting in a chair and reading for three weeks straight, and not spending a dime. I can get the money from the bookstore, etc. And so I could be happy as a clam living in a modest apartment in a pretty place. Um, you know, I don't need a lot of money to spend. I, I could go out to eat from time to time, but I don't particularly care for that food. My waistline doesn't uh, do well with big restaurant food. And so I can live very happily as, you know, if it's just my wife and I and we're empty nesters on a lot lower income. And so these are where that proper introspection that I've been encouraging, I think, comes into play. Let's say you got the $10,000 income now. Well, do you save it so that in the future you can have a $15,000 income or a $20,000 income? Well, if your life arc trajectory looks like something like mine does, it might be more valuable for you to spend the $10,000 now than later. It might be more fun to spend the money on experiences with your children. It might be more useful for you to spend the money on a a higher class of private school where your children join a different social class. might be more useful for them than for you to have more money to spend down the road. Now, I want to focus on this point that I led off with, but haven't talked much about it. Frugality gives you freedom. Notice in the three things I said. Number one, frugality covers you in case of loss of income. If you could imagine that our $10,000 example was from a trust fund baby, right? Got a buddy of yours. He's a trust fund baby. Grew up. Dad says, here's 10 grand the rest every month for the rest of your life. And he just spends it all. Well, he's not going to be very free. Yes, he will have a lot of fun, right? Enjoy his life, buy his fancy stuff, etc. But if there's some risk of something happening to that $10,000, he's kind of stuck. If dad all of a sudden starts doing things that he doesn't think dad should do, or dad starts putting requirements on him, what does he do? Does he roll over and do what dad says? Or does he say, no, dad, I'm going to go my own way? Dad can disinherit him at any time. And so you could imagine that that guy who has $10,000 a month and that's it, he's pretty well dependent and he's going to follow the rules. Well, what about you and me? Right? If I earn $10,000 a month at my job and I spend all the money, I'm not really very free. My boss says, do this thing that I may not agree with. It's going to be hard for me to stand up and say, no, boss, I'm not going to do that. Because I know, I need this money. What am I going to do without this money? My whole life can fall apart if I don't have this money. If I've spent the whole $10,000, then I lose it because I get fired from this job. I'm out on the street next month. So when you insert frugality into our lives, and the guy who makes 10000 saves four, or saves 1000 or saves two, or whatever, That buys him freedom. The trust fund baby, 
who's got the $10,000 income, but along the side has saved a couple hundred grand just from his trust fund income, money that he controls, that he um, has invested, he now has the ability to say, no, you know, I'm going to risk walking away from this $10,000 because it's something I believe in. Same thing with you and me, right? You gain some increasing freedom when you exercise frugality and you have additional amounts of money. That, I think, is one of the most important reasons to exercise frugality. Because when you have the freedom to walk away from what you're doing for income, and at least a runway of, I don't say a few months, certainly, but even better, a few years, and you have a runway of a few years, now I've experienced that you get some joy back in your life, where instead of laboring on a day-to-day basis under a sense of impending doom if something happens what do i do if the um you know if the governor of my state bans work and i can't do it what do i do if the new administration bans the pipeline what do i do if um my company is declared you know unacceptable and we're canceled off the internet what do i do what do i do you 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 have some money and so you can not be involved in that day-to-day stress to such a deep degree so frugality buys you freedom and freedom from income Now, that can go all the way down the road. This is where extreme savings is really, really powerful, right? This best, simplest example that Jacob Lund Fisker wrote in his book years ago, Early Retirement Extreme, when he talked about it, he said that if you save 50% of your income for every year that you work, you can take a year off. The simplicity of that is so powerful because you can say to everyone, any person, if you'll save half your income for every year you work, you can take a year off. I have long believed that a really great lifestyle that a lot of people do live and could live and should live is that of seasonal work. You got the guy who teaches snowboarding in the wintertime and then he takes the summertime off. The guy who teaches, does tax returns during tax season and spends the other rest of the year in Mexico. The guy who goes for the crab season and, and fishes on, on a crab boat or does you know, a summertime fishing gig and then takes the other part of the year off. Those kinds of things are an application of this. The frugality during six months or eight months allows you to earn money, save money, and spread it out. And that buys you additional levels of freedom. Now, it's your choice as to how much you want to do that, right? Here's where we've got the ratios. Save 10% of your money, eh, 50 years, if we, if we assume some investment returns, some stock market investment returns, 50 years, you'll be financially independent. Save 50% of your money, maybe a little under 20 years, you'll be financially independent. Save 75% of your money, in under 10 years, you'll be financially independent. Those are powerful numbers. But the factor that I pointed out is they're they presume that you're going to stop working for some reason. So if you've decided that you're not going to stop working for some reason, or you're not going to stop earning income, then you can change those numbers. You can play with the numbers. And now it might make more sense to not save 75% of your income, but rather to spend 75% of your income. You still want the freedom, but the slower path is fine. Then back to number two, frugality buys you freedom for big purchases. People who are always trying to go get a loan, they often don't get to enjoy big purchases. But if you'll exercise frugality, you can enjoy those things quickly. The guy who 
earns $10,000 a month, sets a normal budget of $6,000, but then every year does, say, a couple of big things. I don't know what your big things are. Maybe it's a month in the Keys and you fish every day straight, or maybe it's an international trip. Those memorable experiences add some spice to life. And I think that guy has more freedom than the guy who sets his budget up at $9,899 and it's all set up on a monthly basis with just ongoing normal stuff. If you eat out at a restaurant four nights a week, you kind of forget about restaurants. They don't become that special to you at that point in time versus the special experiences. So I think there's an element of free freedom there, but you certainly just have the freedom to make big purchases and to buy things that are special to you, that are meaningful to you. And then of course, frugality can buy you freedom because it ultimately allows you to invest for more money, to massively increase your opportunities. Here's where you again, look at somebody's career trajectory. It's not necessary to invest money to become wealthy. I've worked with lots of people who make you know, half a million dollars as a C-suite executive at a large company. If you really enjoy the corporate life and you've worked hard, you got your MBA, you moved up in management, you're involved in there in, in at the, that kind of level, and you worked hard and you enjoy the benefits that come with the corporate life and you can't see yourself retiring, and if you have those corporate benefits, right, you have the retirement programs, you have perhaps a defined benefit pension, you've got good insurances, and you make a half a million dollars a year, it's not necessary that you save much of that money, right? You can spend it. You can spend it if you want to and if you have things to spend the money on. Why? Because you're going to be rich and financially independent based upon the structure of your compensation, Right? You've got the, that pension there that's going to take care of retirement years if you can't work anymore. Your income is high enough and your stock options are significant enough that if you just do a good job, everything's going to be fine. Now, you do still want to exercise some frugality so you're not a slave to the job so you can go and do something else. You want to make sure you cover the purchases, but there's no need to save, 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 save just so you can make more because you're already on that, on that path. Or perhaps in your business, you have enough potential for growth in your business where it's enough. Well, if it's enough, then it's enough. You don't always have to get richer and richer and richer. You just look at it and say, it's enough. I've got enough income prospects here. I've got a good path forward. It's those of us who may not have those opportunities where we have to be a little bit more intentional with our money. The guy who is an independent lawyer making one hundred and thirty or $150,000 a year, he's got to look down and realize, hey, you know what? If I ever want a chance to do something other than legal work, I'm going to have to set some of this money aside and have an actual business that's going to provide for me. So I will go ahead and buy a business. I will go ahead and I used to work with a lawyer who bought a cigar bar, right? I'll go ahead and buy a cigar bar. I'll go ahead and build something else. I'll diversify my income streams and have a chance to grow. Or you might just kind of be stuck. You might be stuck in a, a career that doesn't have big income potential. Right? You might be working a union job, right? You're, you're, you're 
a blue collar worker, maybe a plumber, maybe a mechanic, something like that. Maybe you got a good job, right? A good union job, good wages, good benefits, etc. You're at what 40 bucks an hour, 50 bucks an hour, 60 bucks an hour, who knows? Well, that's a great wage. But you may look down and say, I can't do this for the rest of my life. Right? That's one of the things that's hard about blue-collar work. I can't physically do this work for the rest of my life. That's different than the corporate executive who can look forward and say, number one, physically, there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to do this. And when I'm done with this company and I retire from this company at 60 as the CEO, then I'll go ahead and I'll do three or four different you know, board, board positions for, for a few of my buddies' companies, and I'll be set going forward. The blue-collar guy who's got a good union job doesn't have that. So what does he need? Well, he needs to practice frugality so that he can get some investments. And so maybe his frugality is he cuts his expenses by enough until he can save up the down payments over the course of the next five to 10 years to buy five, five rental houses. And that's his plan. And that works. That's where frugality really makes a big difference. It works. It buys you freedom. I don't think I'm going to belabor the points anymore. I want to simply illustrate that frugality does buy you freedom. So don't ignore the value of frugality. But do an honest analysis of your circumstances. The Fortune 1000 CEO and the blue-collar um, you know, union plumber, both of these guys can do well. But frugality is going to look different to each of them, and it's going to play a different part. But recognize, kind of as we did in the beginning, where I said, what would you do if you knew you had $10,000 a month coming in every single month for the rest of your life? Recognize that probably your instinct was to spend the money, not to stack it up. To me, that's the point. Money, I don't think, is meant to just be stacked up forever. It is meant to use to buy assets. Those assets can buy freedom for you and your family. That's an extraordinarily valuable thing. But you might find, as I do, that sometimes loosening the reins a little bit while recognizing that it's going to be okay and this is an okay decision, that that's actually the wise decision. If you're not exercising any frugality, just ask yourself, do I have freedom? If you want freedom, frugality is a, is a, is a path to get there. Probably the most reliable path. Just don't take it too far. Thank you for listening to today's show. Um, if you, tell you what, here's what I'm gonna plug today. I need to plug my credit card course, okay? If you have a credit card, or if you think you'll ever have a credit card, you need to take my course called How to Borrow Money Safely and Never Pay Interest Using Credit Cards. Because earlier, remember we talked about smoothing things out, right? Credit cards are an incredibly valuable tool in doing that. And if you understand how the credit card game works, you can use credit cards as a in, the, in the, the Western system, specifically the United States. You can use credit cards as a reliable, consistent form of access to financing, to finance all kinds of things. And you can do it safely and at a very low cost. That's why the course is called How to Borrow Money Safely and Never Pay Interest Using Credit Cards. I'm getting ready this month. I am going through and increasing all my credit limits on all my credit cards. And I'd encourage you to do that too, right? In the course, I teach you how to do that. I teach you what cards to get, how many cards to get, et cetera, how to build a credit card portfolio. But there's two things you need to know about credit cards. Number one, they can be an incredibly useful tool to you because they're one of the most flexible ways for you to access debt. Debt can be dangerous without question, but debt can also be one of the most reliably useful tools ever. 
right? If you want, if you're rich, right? What do rich people do? Well, they don't create income. Why not? They buy assets and they take debt against those assets and they spend debt. And then they have the assets pay the debt off again for you as well. And so thus you never have income because debt is not income. Thus you have a tax efficient life. So the same thing can happen with credit cards, right? You can use credit cards, buy the right things, not consumer purchases, not things that go down in value, but you can use credit cards, do the right things to buy assets, build assets, and then you have a very useful tool. The second thing about credit cards that's important is you have to get them before you need them. As Harvey McKay used to say, you have to dig your well before you're thirsty. You cannot go out in a time of duress and all of a sudden, now let me get a credit card. That's what most people do, right? They lose their job and they go and they apply for a credit card. Uh, they get a you know a credit card with an $8,000 credit limit. Then they use that $8,000 credit limit for three or four months, run it up to $8,000, and then they go ahead and get another job, right? That is the wrong way to do it. Because what you do is you wind up paying 25% interest on your debt and your credit score stinks, et cetera. But if you do it the way that I teach you in the course and you do it in advance, it's one of the best tools that you could have as an emergency fund. I think that in the US American system, credit cards as a major part of your emergency fund make all the sense in the world if you understand the system. I'm not opposed to having large amounts of savings on hand. Believe it, believe that savings is valuable. But if I had the savings and all of a sudden I got into an emergency, a genuine emergency, my first move would be to use credit cards, not to use savings. And then my second move is if necessary, I'll use the savings to pay off the credit cards. So check out my course, go to radicalpersonalfinance.com store and sign up for the course called how to borrow money safely and never pay interest using credit cards.